0: You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your
1: favorite Seahawks. Setbacks behind Zorn, who's back to pass. As time, looks for the left
2: sideline, throws a bomb down there. He's got a man in front. He makes the grab. It's Rabel at the 30, down to the 20. They'll
1: never get him. He scores. Touchdown, Seahawks.
0: Powered by Seahawks.com.
2: And Zorn laid it in perfectly to Rabel, who goes in to score on an 80-yard pass and run play.
1: Now, here's your host, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel and Seahawks legend Jim Zorn.
2: Once again, what a great honor today here on Seahawks Stories to be sitting across from one of the earliest Ring of Honor members and one of the newest Ring of Honor members joins us today. Matt Hasselbeck, the great quarterback for the Seahawks during those terrific uh, Mike Holmgren years. Matthew, how you doing, bud? What's up, guys? How are you? We're we're all, I, I don't know about you, I'm trying to survive a cold for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think you mentioned when we were talking a minute ago, your voice is a little bit shaky, but yours is not from a cold, right?
0: Well, you know, I think it's a combination of things. It's cold up here. I live in Boston, but uh, yeah, I just, I'm coaching high school football. We just finished our season. We just... Uh, uh, had a great year, but like, there's all these things that in coaching. I, I wasn't aware of, like, you know, you don't sleep as much. You lose your voice. You're standing around all the time. Uh, there's a, the, your, your eyesight goes, I mean, all kinds of things. So I'm, I'm learning the hard way, but I'm loving it.
1: Matthew, uh, you, you said that you had a great season. I know where you ended. Uh, just tell everybody how you ended your season this year.
0: Well, we ended. We finished strong. We ended up winning the state championship uh, at the Division One level here, which is the top level, and uh, we also won our conference championship, which was great. Um, six days earlier, so we played the same team in the conference championship on Thanksgiving morning, and then six days later, we played that same exact team for the state championship, and they're the defending state champs. So it was, uh, you know, it was not a given that we were going to do it. It was. It was great. The kids were awesome, and we uh we knocked off the top team and the head coach of the other team was a guy that uh that went to boston college like i did and played in the nfl like i did so it was uh it was it was fun it was a good matchup but uh, i was psyched to be a part of it
1: matthew did you have a decent qb <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: we got a good quarterback my son henry um <laughs> yeah. who if you guys remember little little henry in yeah. my last home game with the seahawks he was on my shoulders yeah, he's a senior, and um, he he played great. He played absolutely fantastic for us this year and last year. But uh, I'm really proud of him. I got to be his quarterback coach, and uh, it was it was a dream come true. And and quite honestly, Jim, like you know, I was a lot of I was stealing. I mean, I was stealing all kinds of Jim Zorn coaching points <laughs> and uh, pretending like they were my own. It was pretty fun. Well, that is good. That's uh,
1: you you honor me by saying that. But your son really had to perform. And I know that that he did. In fact, uh, I just showed Raves the picture of Henry with uh, the bloody bloody nose <laughs> that he was sporting at the end of uh, your s- semifinal game.
0: Yeah, so he broke his nose, and you know, like if you if you were to watch Henry play, um, he's a great player. But he doesn't play anything like me, really. Like <laughs> I try to get him to play on time a little bit, but he's a great runner. He's fast, like he won't remind you of me, but, but I think what he probably the part that does remind, um, uh, that I see myself in a little bit is just like a little bit of like, I don't even know what you want to call it, but, uh, the broken nose, I've reminded me of something silly and stupid that I would have done, you know, like he's bleeding everywhere, like everywhere, like for an hour after the game, like it just, it was kind of fun, but Um, his mom didn't like the blood. It was great. He was so bloody though, that when we got to the emergency room, we didn't break stride. They were like, Oh my gosh, were you shot? We're like, no, he wasn't shot. Were you in a car accident? No, not in a car accident. Just, uh, got a fist to the face, uh, through the face mask.
2: Yeah. That's one of those things that, uh, for for the, those of us who've had those broken noses, and you play through them, and and you know the opponents uh, at first they think that's great, and then you keep lining up across from them, and there's more blood running out of your face and down your jersey, and they look at across the line and they think this guy's insane, this guy's nuts. And by the way, so so you, what you're saying is Henry got uh, got Sarah's athletic ability. That's what you're saying, right?
0: <laughs> I, I you know I don't know where he came from. I mean she's a great athlete, um, my wife, but. Uh, His speed is what really perplexes us because he's (laughs) like really, really fast, Um, like indoor track uh, nationals kind of fast. So I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I'm not I'm not complaining, though. Um, I did have to coach him a little bit different, though. And so I'm glad I was paying attention when Jim Zorn was coaching Seneca Wallace all those years, because I remember things that Jim would say to Seneca. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like this would be a good thing because it, you know, and I worked next to Steve young for a long time too. And, and, it, you know, your athleticism as a quarterback can be a little bit of a, um, you know, it's a blessing obviously, but it can be a little bit of a curse because you can rely on that. And at times it doesn't work out and you put your offense in second and 17 or something like that. So it was uh it was a fun challenge coaching someone so athletic though.
2: Let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, why did you decide to get into coaching? Was it strictly because of Henry, or because you you really enjoyed the thought of doing it? That's the first question. Second one, tell me about Jim Zorn as your coach. I've known Z since we were kids as players. As you heard on that, by the way, that highlight when you have when you only mm-hmm. have one, you play it over and over and over again, <laughs> which I do. Uh, but uh, tell me about that. Tell me about the decision to get into coaching, and then and and then Z man as your coach.
0: Yeah, well, first off, I had no intention of getting into coaching because I know how hard it is, or at least I thought I did. And uh, there was a clinic at my high school, and the head coach of my high school was there when I was there as a coach. So he said, hey, do you know anybody that can coach offensive line for this, like, three-day clinic? And I said, I'll ask around, and if I don't find anybody, you know, I- I'll coach o- O-line for three days. And uh, he-, he said, well, you know what? Our Our offensive coordinator is actually kind of an O-line guy by trade. Why don't I see if he'll coach the uh, O line, and he usually coaches the quarterbacks, and then you can take the quarterbacks instead. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. And then it was so much fun. Uh, my dad ended up coaching tight ends with us for that clinic, and then we just stayed on for the year. And um, and so that's how, that's kind of what went into it. But I do I do coach uh, very similar uh, to how I was coached by Jim. Um, and, and Jim Zorn, like when he was coaching, like, you know, and Steve, you know, this, like Jim can't run very well. Like he's got a, uh, what do you have, Jim? You got like a rod in your ankle. What do you have? Do
1: you well, have? I I've, now I've got a fake ankle. But when I coached you, yeah, my I was hobbling around a little bit because I had arthritis in my ankle. Football's such a great game, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so yeah, I hobbled around. Uh, but I, you know, when you watched me, when you watched me uh, when I played, I was I was explosive, much like Henry's explosive. <laughs> anyway, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So, so, yeah. You're so... right. I can't run.
0: So when you played, you were like, you know, Fran Tarkington out there, you know, you were running around. Okay. But, but when you coached me, you couldn't run. Like (laughs) you could barely jog from drill to drill, (laughs) but what Jim did do is he would out throw all of us. I mean, when we were having throwing competitions, like Jim was throwing every bit as well as we were like, he was, just humming it, just chucking it. Like his arm <laughs> never went away. You know, if there was a seven on seven tournament, he could still compete in that. Like maybe yeah. even now. Yeah. So that is something that I also do. Like I, I can't, like I can't run with these kids. I don't even try. Like I just, I'm like a Peloton type workout person now. You know, like I don't even try to run, but I do throw Pat and go. I do throw routes. I do throw one-on-ones. Uh, I do try to outrun them. I out throw them. I try to out-compete them the way that Jim sort of tried to out-compete us with throws. And, um, and it's fun, you know, it's fun. And G- Jim, like, I don't know if he did this on purpose, but he made it look so effortless. Like, oh yeah, here you go. Zing. was <laughs> just <It's> like, <laughs> wow. You know, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. He kind of raised the bar for us a little bit. So my coaching style is a little bit like that. And, um, and so that's just like one of many, many things I could tell you about Jim Zorn as a position. Do
1: you still use any uh, or do you see yourself using drills that, that make sense? Because I always tried to use drills that would actually relate to the game so that when the game the game actually was videoed, I could run it back and say, you know what, look at this. This is exactly – this is the drill that we worked on. Two weeks ago, or last week, or yesterday, or whatever—that's the drill right there. But it would be live in a game.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think the difference, like for you, like we always had, you know, maybe one or two equipment managers there with us, and like four quarterbacks and you know helpers. When you're coaching high school football, yeah. you know, half the, it's like you're you're the guy, like yeah. you're the person doing it, you're the you're the coach, you're the equipment person. Sometimes you're the athletic trainer. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're the, you know, you know, right. you got to make sure the pylons are on the field, like you do everything. And, and that's another reason, like, I have a tremendous amount of respect for coaches, but especially high school coaches. And a lot of them are, you know, like high school teachers also. So it's, um I don't have that luxury, but for sure, like Jim, there's a the play. You know, we used to call it, um, uh, doubling right X short, 72 X shell across. And, you know, we'd run that at a zebra and we run that play all the time at at my high school that, you know, that I'm coaching at. And there's one throw in that progression. It's like the fifth read in the progression that I remember missing one time. And sure enough, last year, junior year, my son, Henry misses the the same exact throw. And I said, we're going to make this a drill. And it was, it was, it was something that you had done for me one off season. It was super helpful. And um, at the time, I was like, well, it wasn't my fault that this ball was incompleted. <laughs> it was because I was throwing it to Mac Strong, and, he just, right. and he's stiff. <laughs> that's why I'm missing yeah. but, but But that's not true. Uh, the, the truth of it was is I, I needed, uh, I say KYP and that's like my term for the quarterbacks, know your personnel. If you're throwing to a fullback, that body type is built to like he wants that football between the three and the eight. You got to make it super, super um, convenient for him to catch that pass. You're not throwing to Daryl Jackson on, on that kind of a throw. KYP. know your personnel. And Jim, you use the analogy for me. Um, with Steve Largent about a baseball pitcher and a catcher. Um, do, you, do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you yep. explain that?
1: Yeah. So Largent was a catcher in high school, mm-hmm. and he told me, he said, when he threw the ball, his coach told him, when he threw the ball back to the pitcher, all he wanted was the pitcher just to lift his glove. And it had to be. On the side of his glove, so if it was right-handed, he would throw it to his left shoulder, and the, the, so that the pitcher could only just lift his glove, catch the ball, and he could make the next pitch. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how accurate I wanted the quarterbacks. I wanted them to make sure that they knew exactly where they were throwing, you know. And if if uh, when in doubt, I'm going to hit you in the face. But. Uh, in, in this particular play, 72x shallow cross, Max Strong would w- run a wide route or a swing, if you will. Some play, some teams call it swing. It's a wide route. And I always say, you know, you have to throw it to his front shoulder, and it's got to be, like Matt said, between the three and, and the eight as he, as he turns up. Keep it in the core. Mm-hmm. Don't make him reach. Right. Don't make him reach up. Don't make him reach down because he's likely – Not Max Strong, but he's likely to drop it.
2: Well, and what's interesting here is we had Mike, uh, your old boss, uh, Matthew, uh, on last week with us, Holmgren. And I remember NFL films uh, going into, like, meetings and talking to Bill Walsh when Bill was coaching those guys. And that's where Mike came from, obviously. And he talked about the need for absolute precision on throwing the football, throwing it out in front. It, you know more than like six inches from the body no and it's got to be right in this certain spot and not on that certain spot and and a foot in any direction can make it uh, you know the not the throw that you want. And it's amazing to me the the demand needed and the, the skill mm-hmm. needed by you Matt quarterbacks and that now you are teaching and Jim taught about where to put that ball so precisely because man that's a that's that's tough to do. If yeah.
0: Well, you know, I think I think to Jim's point, you know, the the other part he said, he's you know, with the Steve Largent story, is he said, you know, respect and understand the job that that pitcher has to do like that pitcher has a job to do. One of his jobs that we don't want him to have to do is worry about catching <laughs> the, at right. all, catching about right. the throw from the catcher. And, you know, so like that, that really hit me when Jim said it, you know, we, we might've even talking to, been talking about a running play at the time when it first came up, but like understand and respect the job of the, of the person who's about to catch the ball. Once they catch it, now the play starts for them in a way like they have to go make people miss run someone over uh read blocks like all that kind of stuff so do everything that you can do as a quarterback in your power to help that person succeed much like the catcher and the steve largen story um but for sure like you know jim like was such an amazing position coach and between, you know, kind of the teamwork of Mike Holmgren with Jim as my position coach, there were so many things that, um, you know, I don't even know if I understood them or really thought that was possible the first time around. Like, I remember Mike Holmgren just screaming, just (laughs) screaming at us, like the, the ball, the football at practice, the football is not allowed to touch the ground it's not allowed to touch the ground. And it was like, at, you know, there were certain moments it was like, what do you mean? It's not allowed to touch the ground. Like this is football. It's gonna, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna touch the ground, you know? And he would just, he would like, he would lose his mind on us a little bit if the <laughs> football ever touched the ground. But he, what he did is he set a standard that was so high. And it was like, this is what we're going for. And, and I, and I promise you there, there were probably um, numerous practices where the ball did not touch the ground. Now, now the defense probably wasn't allowed to break it up at times, but, <laughs> but still like the, the, for an offensive period, um, the ball wouldn't touch the ground. And, and, you know, that, that, that is something that I, I don't know, like, I think as a coach, part of what your job is to do is to, um, <laughs> you know, make, take players and help them become better than they even thought they could be. Um, than they could even imagine that they could be and and Mike and Jim certainly uh helped helped help me do that.
1: Matthew, you know, uh I think that that was one of the attitudes that uh you brought you ob- obviously brought with you. It was competitive uh because you came out with goals in mind uh you know, the ball's not going to hit the you know, think about that. The ball's not going to hit the ground and you made you so you had to put in more concentration. It was really a concentration type of situation that you couldn't let go because if you just and I used to really get bugged if you just threw vicinity passes passes that were "Eh, yeah I hit him yeah it was close that does not cut it uh not not at the NFL level really not even at the college level but there's an acceptance if you will by by some Coaches thinking, because they don't know, Mm -hmm. if you just concentrate a little bit more, you can hit it. You can throw the ball right where you want it to be. And uh, you Mm -hmm. kind of came in with that. Tell us uh, the the question that I have for you. When you got selected, you you got traded to the Seahawks, how, how did you, because it amazed me, how did you come in with such a great attitude of team, of knowing what, what just had like you were the one quarterback i coached i think in my whole life who knew exactly why you got traded exactly what you wanted to accomplish and you just brought that whole aura with you when you came to the Seahawks how did you was that in you or did you did you study or you know
0: what? yeah well i i you know i would say i had a lot to learn when i got to seattle i had a lot to learn Uh, but I, I, at that point I had learned a lot of lessons. I mean, I, I, you know, grew up in a football family. My dad played, uh, nine years in the NFL, played for the Patriots, the LA Raiders, the Minnesota Vikings, the New York Giants. I was around it. I was around, you know, I was around the Bill Parcells I was around, you know, some great, some great players, some great coaches. Um, I chose to go to Boston college. Tom Coughlin was my coach. That was my coach. My first year. Um, I learned a ton from him. I had great position coaches in college. Uh, you know, I learned a little bit from everybody from Dirk Cutter to Steve Cragthorpe to Gary Croton to, I mean, just all kinds of guys. And so, and then I get to the green Bay and I'm there for three years and I'm learning behind Brett Favre, our quarterback room included Doug Peterson, Rick Meyer, uh, Andy Reed was my position coach. Um, Mike McCarthy came in year two, Mike Sherman, year three, Daryl Bevel was there. Like Danny Werfel was a backup. Like, like there was a, there were a lot of people that I think like planted seeds or watered seeds in terms of like who I was as a teammate, who I was as a leader, something like some of those things. But, but, uh, but no, I, I think, you know, truly, I think, I think I was young and still growing and learning. And, And Jim, you ran the quarterback room a certain way. Um, Brock Heward was was one of the guys in the room. I thought he was a great teammate and he was a great leader. Um, Trent Dilfer came in. He, he was he was a great leader. And so I, I just I think I was a work in progress there, but we, we had we were building something special and um, I know I was a, a part of it, but like, I kind of feel like I was a small part of it. Uh, especially early on, and, um, and, and and I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have an answer for you, but um, I'm, I'm really appreciative for the opportunity. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I, what I hear you say in your answer is that you had a lot of influences um, that molded and shaped you before you got there, but when you came in, I noticed just how you wanted to function uh, on the team and that that made a huge impact on me from from you a player and i wanted to give you the best i could i always felt like i was one maybe raves i was one day ahead of these guys <laughs> because they were very quick and they would love to waste time and i had to keep i had to stay focused cuz they knew they knew right. their stuff right. but i still wanted to bring them Further than what they knew, and that that was a challenge in itself. Hey, Matt,
2: yeah. Mike, yeah. Mike, I know, and he said this before. He was tough on you, <laughs> as as he is on you know a lot of people, but especially his quarterbacks because he was one, and and he knows how to play the position. He knows how to coach it. He learned from Bill Walsh and all that stuff. Did did the dynamic end up being because Mike? I mean, he speaks in such glowing terms. Of you, but I know you guys had gotten sideways a few times, and in fact, he he told us the last time we talked to him here uh, that Kathy, after one of your discussions, said you've got to go back and apologize to Matt, uh, which I guess you guys both did. You said okay, we both lost our heads a little bit, but did did Z-man have to play kind of that that middleman between you guys? Was Mike maybe a little tougher on you than he was on other guys, and was Z-man the guy who was kind of talking you down at times or two?
0: Uh, I mean, there's so much, there's so much to the relationship, but like, I think, you know, I got to Seattle kind of like Jim saying I came from Green Bay and we were running the same Mike Holmgren offense so to speak but we were running the Brett Favre version of it and when I was in Green Bay it was my job to run the Green Bay version of it and there were so many tools and there was so much freedom at the line of scrimmage and there was all this like I don't know it just felt like a grown-up offense and when I first got to Seattle you know, I just felt like I was on training wheels. You know what I mean? And it's like, I was like, no, I have my driver's license. I don't need training wheels. And, 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 and that was my frustration. Like I literally remember we're playing a game that year. Oh, one down in Oakland, we're playing the Raiders. And, uh, I, I, we call a play and I audible and I, it's like a simple audible. I was basically like same play other way, you know, like opposite. And, um, and like, I, we snapped the ball and I'm literally the only person who does the, what I thought everyone was going to do. Yeah. And I get sacked like right around second base in the dirt and like Mike Holmgren loses his mind on me. And I'm like, but then I'm like, no, I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. Kind of like mindset. Yeah. And Jim was like, mind blown because, you know, he was like, who do you think you are? I mean, yeah. so it, I I don't know. I, uh, yes, yes. But I do remember one time, one time it was kind of a pivotal moment in uh, my relationship with Mike Holmgren is like, Mike was always hard on me, hard on everybody. And Jim was sort of like, um, I don't know, like the person I could trust the most, you know, like he was like, he was my guy and I was his guy. And there was a moment one time when, when Jim got mad at me at practice And I remember, like, Mike, we weren't, like, super, like, um, buddy-buddy. It was, like, he was the head coach and I was the quarterback. And Mike came over to me and was like, hey, if you have Jim like Matt, you you're the problem. Like, you're the problem.
1: Oh, well, that sounds sounds great. I remember – I don't necessarily remember that one play you audible to, but Mike used to always say – what you don't like my play? <laughs> you don't like what I called? Uh, do you have a problem with what I called? And uh, so I think that's probably what he would come up and tell Matt what you didn't like what I called. But Matt had a lot of influence as well, and maybe it was after a few years. But he we had this one play it was called Pass three twelve double quick hitch, and it was really designed a play to run versus a three deep coverage. Mm-hmm. Well, when you had a two deep pre-snap or Matt would know, hey, it's going to be cover two. He wanted to audible out of it because he wasn't going to have either side. They were going to take both wide receivers away. So he would say, I want to just audible to a run. Uh, And we had, you know, Steve Hutchison and Walter Jones on the left side. Let me just audible to a run. Max Strong leading the way. Let me audible to that play versus a two two deep shell. And Mike would not budge for a while. And then finally, uh, he trusted Matt more and more. And that was really th- probably the key for the the relationship between QB and coach for Mike Holmgren, is I want to be able to trust you. And uh, I think he began to trust Matt with much more, uh, If like Matt put it, the driver's license mm-hmm. instead of uh, training wheels. Uh, and he allowed him to be audibling uh, to certain things, but no quarterback really just uh, j- just autos because he wants to right. uh, really you you've planned these things out, so they had to be planned for Mike to agree to right. be able to do it
2: matt the the trust factor obviously took you guys ultimately to the Super Bowl. Uh, that team just continued to get better and better and better. So let's go to that, uh, that season, the, the Super Bowl year, or actually maybe even the year before that. When you were inducted into the Ring of Honor, in fact, let me go back to that, um, last, last year, right, or last season, um and mm, was it last season yeah. or two years ago last
0: year it might have been two years two ago. years it ago runs yeah, together. well
2: it does for me too and way to your my age buddy everything runs together when you're my age um and I, I I remember when we put together kind of the the things that I was that I needed to say about you and I said I've got to add this one thing and we talked about it that night on the the great run by Marshawn, which is still talked about you know the, the the seismic activity and all that stuff how you were sprinting down the field to, to make a block. And I just, I always thought about that that here's the quarterback who's there to make, help get this guy into the end zone on a, on a really terrific run, maybe one of the most memorable plays uh, in, in Seahawks history. But that team that you led goes all the way to the Super Bowl game. Talk to me about what that team had, what it was that you found in yourself and in your teammates that got you to that moment in Detroit.
0: Uh, well, well. For starters, I think we had no idea. Like '05 training camp, I see footage of that sometimes in NFL films, and it's like that—that that was the year. Like that, we had no idea. Like there it, it was—it wasn't like we showed up to camp that year and said, "Oh, this is definitely our year." It, it wasn't that. It was just stacking one practice on top of another. Uh, that year was not without adversity. We had adversity. We lost. Uh, I think all our starting wide receivers going into a game in St. Louis. And Jim gave me this coaching point. He said, Hey, I know we're playing with a bunch of receivers that are like not starters and you know, all this stuff. Here's the coaching point I want for you. And I like, I had a pen out. I'm like, okay, I can't wait. What is it? <laughs> and he says, and he goes, throw it to the, where the receivers are not to where, you know, they should be. Exactly <laughs> and I was like, I'm not writing that down. <laughs> like what? I'm not writing. I'm not, I'm not even writing that down. But by game time, I took the advice: throw it to where they are, not to where you know they should be. And literally threw a touchdown pass to Joe Jaravichus. Should have been looking for him like twenty-five yards downfield. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't see him anywhere. And I, so I just kind of look everywhere, and he's way shallower than that. And I'm like, all right, I'm do what Jim said. And he threw it to him, and he he scored a touchdown. But um. But it's like, it was stuff like that. Um, the, 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 the game when Mike Holmgren and I had our biggest, uh, flare up and we really didn't have flare ups, but like the one we did we had a major, major, like Kathy Holmgren needs to get involved. flare up. <laughs> that was, that, that, that was 05. Wow. That was 05. You know, like there there's a lot of stuff that happened in 05 that it was like this team overcame adversity. We went down to Jacksonville first, first game. I, remember, I think yep. got spanked. Yep got absolutely spanked. And then I hurt my shoulder pretty bad throwing a hail Mary down two scores, like a hail Mary, like further than I can throw a hail Mary. Like I remember he calls, like we called it two jet rebound pass. And I'm like, I can't even reach from right here. This is a frustration call. And I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, someone's going to get hurt. I didn't <laughs> think it was going to be me and it was me and like so like that that year started out really tough and uh i think one of the lessons in it is like you know, just, just keep going, just keep going one foot after another, one step at a time, um, one play at a time. Um, there's a Bill Walsh quote that we used in Seattle quite a bit, you know, is, uh, you know, just do everything right and the score will take care of itself kind of thing. And, and, um, I don't know, I think looking back, I don't remember ever saying that at the time, but looking back, I think that's just what we did. Um, we, we maybe sacrificed on, 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 talent and, and probably valued professionalism a little bit more that year in terms of like just being accountable to each other as, as players and stuff like that. But um, no, it was was a super special year and I wish we would have finished it, but, but starting out, it was, it really just felt like every other year.
1: I remember so many things about that, about that season. And one of them uh, was how we, we did have some seasoned veterans and the relationships between you, our O-line, Sean Alexander, uh, Daryl Jackson, Bobby Ingram, all these guys that were involved, they were, they were so valuable. As, as we got further into the season, you, you, as a coach, uh, we coached hard, but we didn't say to ourselves, oh, my gosh, I think we have a chance to go to the playoffs. We coached the same, but then towards the end, uh, when you're winning – you almost coach less because the players, they are much more accountable to themselves, mm. and they kind of take over. And I think that's what happened during that season. They just they believed in them in themselves, and the maturity. Uh, they still cracked jokes, and they still were, you know, playing a little bit of, you know, uh, they were playing loose and free. But once they were concentrating on what the job. Uh, that they had to do was going to be accomplished, how it was going to be accomplished. They just went right to it and worked really hard to get that done. They deserved all the accolades that they got after that season for what the work that they put in during the season for yeah. sure.
2: And and yeah. you should have gotten the ring. I mean, that's just me. Yeah.
0: Can Can I say one other thing that yeah. I think is like uh, somewhat relevant is like we lo- we lost on the last play um, of the game in the 0-3 playoffs Um and then we lost in the last play of the game in the 04 playoffs and and i think like the 05 it was kind of like we all just kind of knew we all had to do a little bit more a little bit different a little bit better you know like we couldn't just do the same thing we do every year and and i, and I don't know i i almost think like the losses in 03 and 04 like even though they weren't like super bowl losses or nfc championship losses like they they mattered so much to the motivation going into Oh five. And, um, in just, you know, I just think, I think that was like a major factor. Mm. Just remember my disappointment losing to the Rams for the third time. I'm literally like pounding the turf as hard as I can. Like I, you know, and just that disappointment, just kind of turning that into not going to let this happen again, not gonna, not gonna lose to that team again. And, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, I guess in those losses, there's there's something good about the losses, I guess, because it propelled us to the, you know, the kind of team that we were in 05.
2: Well, and the same thing happened a, a few years later when we go down to Atlanta and lose a playoff game there, and literally, Russ is talking to Pete on the way back into the locker room and said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go to the Super Bowl next year. This is the team to do it, and in fact, it did happen. Um, so, playing days kind of passed, Matthew. Um, you go into television. That's something I know a little something about after spending almost four decades in it. Um, do you miss it now? I, I got to tell you, I've been around a lot of, you know, when they've had reduction in force, riffs we call it, uh, in the business, and they, you know, say, oh, we got to kind of cut the budget and all that stuff, so they they let people go. And uh, I'm I was so sorry to see that happen to you because I you worked hard and you did such a terrific job, uh, and I'm not you know I don't want you to you know, to. Speak bad, speak ill of people, even though I will. But I thought they made a mistake. So, do you want to get back to that? What did you enjoy about that opportunity that you had?
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I, it wasn't that really my intention to go into TV or anything like that. I got offered an opportunity to work with Chris Berman on the show that I grew up watching, Sunday NFL Countdown, and I was like, "Are you kidding me, Chris Berman?" Like, yeah, I'm like, you, yeah, it's awesome. Let's let's go. And I started with Randy Moss and Charles Woodson, and um, no, it was awesome. It was it was a great experience, great seven years. I was super bummed, like super disappointed, when. Um, when I got the call this summer, saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna lay you off. Um, you're part of the ESPN layoffs," um, and they were like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, spitting it positively, like, "Hey, you know, you have two years left on your deal. You'll still get paid, and you know, you just can't work anywhere else for two years and all this." But I was devastated. I was like really upset. Um, but looking back. All that all that has happened is like it freed me up to coach Henry in the senior year of high school. And quite honestly, I just told my wife this the other day. I said, you know, um, ESPN laying me off like they did for me uh, what I never would have had the courage to do myself. Like I would Mm -hmm. not have had the courage to quit my job. Invest in family time. Invest in this year, my my son's senior year. Going back to my own high school, and just pour everything I have out for the kids that are at my school now. And you know, and have missed. I would have missed out on like this state championship and like all this stuff with my son. And um, I don't think I would have had the courage to do it. And you hear stories about people who quit their jobs and choose family or whatever, and and it's 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 unbelievable because I, you know. I know how tough that would have been uh, for me to do and I didn't have the courage to do it. So they did it for me. And you know, this is like a, you know, like an unanswered prayer in a sense that uh, I've had the opportunity to do it. So looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. And I don't, I don't, honestly, I didn't miss it one time this year, uh, maybe the first week, but um, I think I was just so into what I was doing at the high school level and just loving it that, um, It's all it's all good, and it it worked out better than I could have ever planned myself.
1: Hey Matthew, so you talked about being able to coach Henry in high school. A lot of dads want to do that, and maybe and you with with all the knowledge that you were bringing in. How did Henry respond uh, to you as a dad? And now you're going to try to be his coach. And hey, you're the big time player. Uh, you're going to big time. Did you get a lot of eye rolling or did he, you know, what was that relationship like? And Matt, do you still have a relationship with Henry?
0: <laughs> so, so it's funny, like I, I, I put into practice a lot of the things that sort of Kathy Holmgren had recommended that Mike and I do um and because it it is a thing like dad's coaching their sons and stuff like that and so in fifth grade um I I did I kind of sort of coached a little bit like during the week I was never able to go to games but I coached during the week when Henry was in fifth grade that was the first year that I was done playing with a a teammate of mine that played in the NFL um I'm a high school teammate of mine that played in the NFL we coached our sons and it was just funny like he was hardest on his son and I was hardest on my son and so we kind of made an agreement. I'm like, Hey, listen, I'll coach your son. You coach my son, you know, like, like specifically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but they're on the same team. So I, kind of understood that that was going to be a thing, but no, I, I, I basically, Jim, to your question, um, I was intentional about how i would coach him like if when he would come off the sideline after a play i would give him space i would let him talk to his teammates i would let him talk to other coaches i would let him get a drink i would not be there mm-hmm. even if i had something to say mm-hmm. i would i would uh i would move or move and then this year for his senior year um maybe like two games into the season i decided to go up to the booth and be on the headset up in the booth to again i think just sort of let his leadership style kind of flourish a little bit and let him not have me on the sideline like hey i'm not there like you know he grew up playing hockey and i just remember he was a goalie and the goalie equipment's a lot and i remember there was a time in the goalie hockey life where it was like tie your own skates put it on your own leg pads like you're old enough now it's your turn Mm -hmm. and i sort of did something similar this year with him as a quarterback like hey you go break the team down you got the offense Mm -hmm. you know like let let him have let him have that um you know mike mike and jim there was a saying that we said in our quarterback room i think mike started it and it was um he would say to the quarterbacks, you're an artist, not a blacksmith. You're an artist, not a mathematician. (laughs) You know, there's an art to playing quarterback and, you know, and then Jim would say like, Hey, you know, go ahead and paint your canvas. You're an artist. Um, And that's something those guys said. And I repeat that to him, you know, like, Hey, what should the cadence be here? I'm like, Hey, you got it. <laughs> like there are things that are like non-negotiables and I'll let you know what those are. But other than that, you got it. And so I tried to give him the freedom that I would have wanted if I was the player.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you want to continue? Do you want to keep coaching? Do you want to move up, do more? Uh, I, I, I really do want to keep coaching. I don't know
0: if I need to move up um, in a weird way. I think like if I was in a weird way, coaching an NFL quarterback would be easier for me. Um, that's like, I don't know a lot, but like, that's the one thing I feel like I really do know well, um, you know, high school is a, it's, it's different, you know, and it's a lot of work and you don't have the support, you know, you're trying to scout an opponent you're looking at the film. You're like, I can't, this film is so bad. Are there 10 people out on this film? I (laughs) I have no idea, (laughs) you know? Like, I don't even know the rules all the way, like the hash marks are, you know, befuddling to me. Um, I don't, the thing I would say about it, and I was telling one of my friends this the other day, like, like, one of the things I love about coaching these kids is that, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them are going to go on to play college football. And I really, I know I can help them, but there's, there's a lot of them that aren't going to go play college football. Um, You know, the majority, they're not, but they're all going to grow up to be adults, you know they're all going to grow up to be probably husbands and dads and leaders somewhere, and I think that's probably the most rewarding part about this. It's like yeah, we're using football like to you know as the tool to to kind of be around them and teach them and all that kind of stuff, but you know it's 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 so much bigger than that. So much bigger than 72x shallow cross um now 72 xl lacrosse teaches you how to be like precise and in perfect and like and like strive to be the best etc but it's not about that it's about things much much bigger than that
1: yeah well i think with uh matt you can you and i are sitting here listening to him and we're nodding our right, heads exactly. this is right on and you can see that matt is built for more about life yep. uh, through football but Football is just a a, a a small a small part of things in the bigger picture for him.
2: Right. Well, and I think any of us or many of us, let me put it that way, who played this game to the level that we played—certainly me, not to the level of you guys—but we all played at this at the NFL you, level. But we we had to come up through the ranks, and we had to come up somewhere. And high school was. In my estimation, and I just saw my high school coach. I went back to Louisville, Kentucky, when we played in Cincinnati, where I'm from. He's 97.
1: Oh my God! And
2: he's still sharp as a tack. Uh-huh. He's smarter than I'll ever be, and he's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. And we sat and talked me, myself, and a former teammate, high school teammate, and my coach. And it just it it every time I do that, and it's been like five or six years since I saw him. I just remember that aside from my father, he was the man who had the most influence on my life growing up Mm. because he taught me things about discipline Mm -hmm. and about achieving things and about pride, but not a false pride, Mm -hmm. but a pride in doing the right thing the right way. And so I I always remember that. And you're right, Matt. You can have a bigger impact on a young man uh, at that point in his life than ever in any other point in a young man's life. So I applaud you. And I hope that that continues.
1: Yeah. Hey, Matthew, let me uh, say one more thing uh, uh, to the audience, to you too, Steve, about Matt, because uh, one of the things that I remember as we were building, he talked about the 03 season, 04 season, and then in 05, we end up being able to win it and go to the Super Bowl. But one of the things that I always remember about Matthew is his tempo. Uh, We always talked about tempo, creating tempo on the football field. And we did not have an – everybody was talking about no huddle offenses and, ooh, Peyton Manning, watch him on the line of scrimmage. And when you look at his on-the-line-of-scrimmage antics, he'd snap the ball with less than 10 seconds to go on the Mm -hmm. clock. But Matt – I say all that to say Matt had this ability to get in and out of the huddle so fast with the play, he'd call it, He'd get up on the line of scrimmage, and then we would go. We would. He would not sit there and study the <laughs> line of scrimmage and slow things down. He just went fast, so fast that the defensive coordinators and the head coaches were all complaining all year long. That's one of the things that we would hear from them is we were cheating, especially because when you see it on video, you can't tell when you're preparing for – our, our, when you were preparing for Matt Hasselbeck on the field, you could not tell how fast we were really going because the video starts when he gets up mm-hmm. to the line of scrimmage and man it was fast and those teams I think just were always on their heels with what we were what we were doing because it was in and out audible here quick pass here and he uh, he had a great rhythm and timing. To how he played. And I try to coach that into players today because the tempo is a offensive weapon and not and I'm not talking about no huddle. I'm just because we huddled, right. We called every play and we got a full line of scrimmage and went. Matthew did it as good as anybody I've I've seen. I don't think anybody has done it as well as he's done it.
2: it Matt, is it a weapon that you choose that you teach today?
0: It's, it's funny you say that. I was doing a Matthew Stafford interview down with Sean McVay uh, last summer, and – and I just was showed up at practice or whatever and Sean McVay was like, No way, so cool that you're here today. He takes me into the quarterback room and he's like, This is a video we showed of your first drive against Carolina in the NFC championship game, talking about tempo, how you guys just go fast and like don't give the defense a chance to breathe and you know you're snapping it with like however many seconds on the play clock, like a lot of time left on the play clock. Um, The funny thing about it, and I told Sean McVay this, mostly how that kind of started is I was sick and tired of getting um – minus grades on my uh, quarterback grade sheet from Jim Zorn. And I, de- and I determined because I had to decide, okay, is the safety down or is the safety back? And I de- I, I kind of watched Trent Tilfer do this. If you just go really, really fast, you don't give the safety a chance to come down or even make a decision, so you can't be wrong. So It was really just born out of like, alright, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of getting minuses. I'm just going to go as fast as I can here.
1: Yeah, you did a good job. And I'll, I remember talking to to you a couple games about how did you know he was going to come down because I you know you either had to go uh, opposite rotation or you knew the guy was going to come down you even changed the protection uh, based we would change protections based on a safety coming down to cover the back while the linebacker blitzed and you would change the protection to get that taken care of and the guy and and what Matthew said this is what he said to me as I remember. He just I saw him take a step. I said, "One step? <laughs> you did it because of one step?" Yes, I as we were watching video, I could tell if that guy took one step forward, he was coming up. And more times than not, he was right. Yeah, and oh, he was right all Well, you M4 know, I I and...
0: I learned believe it or not, I mean, Walter Jones did not talk when we were teammates and <laughs> right. he talks all the time, but yeah. uh I, I, I used to change my cadence up a lot and act like I was going to snap the ball and or go on a quick count or all right. this stuff. And I remember talking to Walt one time, and I said, hey, um, I'm going to try to get that guy to jump. And Walt was like, it don't matter. I'm like, what do you <laughs> exactly. mean? I'm like, I'm trying to get him to jump. He goes, no, nah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he jumps. All I need to do is see him lean. Just his flinch. And I know which way he was going and I got him. And I thought, like, dang, that's crazy. Like, and I wonder if that's true for me. And so the same thing. If I could just get the safety to like just just lean, then I know what he was gonna do if I had snapped the ball. And um, you know, it's it was a nice little nice little tool, weapon, whatever, um, you know, trick I learned from uh from Walt. And again, I think most of it is just, I didn't want to minus on, on Jim Zorn. Uh, one of the main, team.
1: one of the main things I had to do with Matthew, uh, when we first were together, you know, I was, I would watch him. He was, and you could tell probably still is an excitable boy. <laughs> and pregame, he would just be wired up. And I said, what is, it was different. You know, you think about, okay, he's on some kind of drug <laughs> Uh, Matthew, how many cups of coffee did you drink today? Oh, I only drank six. <laughs> six cups of coffee. Holy moly. yeah, so I said, okay, here's the new rule. This is a Matthew Hasselbeck rule. There is no caffeine at all. You're already high enough. I mean you're already excited about playing. You're the excitable boy. No caffeine. And so that was that was a rule. Now I don't know if he obeyed that or not. he'll tell us yes. here in just a second but uh, the other newborns thing- Jim. <laughs> newborns it was tough it was tough oh i know <laughs> but what what he did uh, is i would always remember he he needed to eat at halftime so at halftime you know we're going to talk and now he'd be eating a hot dog <laughs> Or we're going to talk and he's eating a pizza pizza. Or we're going to talk and now he's got a, a, a deli sandwich. You know, he ate.
0: Hey, for the record, for the record, yeah. I would have eaten something better. But yeah. like, so in the NFL, in the NFL, you,
1: you, you eat
0: four hours before kickoff. Right. Okay. That's exactly and so there's right. no food. And everyone's like, oh. You know, I'm just hungry. But so there was nothing. So I would get people to go into yeah. the concession stand oh my and God. get me something because no there was idea. nothing. Yeah. Now, we got that fixed eventually. It went from a hot dog to a piece of pizza <laughs> yeah. to a literally, a, you're right. It went to a, like a turkey sandwich. And, and you know, we improved it. But <laughs> other than that, the only thing that they were serving at halftime was orange slices, Orange slices. Like you did exactly when, you know, right. you played soccer as a kid. <laughs> And um, and you can only have so many orange slices. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's what true.
2: A, what a difference because I remember the, the halftime when we were playing, like my rookie year was guys going in the bathroom and smoking, you know, have a couple of cigarettes and then come back out into the locker room. And I remember you talk about coffee. I, I, I One of the games we played, Mike Curtis was one of our linebackers, our rookie year, the, the great outside linebacker. And he used to eat no pregame meal, and he'd just drink coffee. He'd drink like a pot of coffee before the game. So I said, if it's good enough for him, and he's playing like in his 13th year at linebacker, I said, I'm going to try this. So I tried it, and all it did was make me have to pee like 10 times during the game. I had to, And Jack wouldn't let us run inside. No. So, you know, you're kind of back there by the garbage can and hoping that nobody sees you. But that was the dumbest thing I ever did. I, you know, you have the jitters; you can't hold your hands in front of your face, and now you got to go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah. about fifteen times. So yeah. I, I learned a yeah. lot. I learned a lot there. I, before we go, we are we're getting uh, going to be wrapping up here, Matt. I know you got things to do, like rest your voice for one. We have bo- both Jim and I have done this now. This entire interview, we've gone back and forth between Matt and Matthew. When you were playing, I can't tell you how many people would either write me a note or say something to me along the lines. Why do you call him Matthew? His name is Matt. It's Matt Hasselbeck. And I always remember saying because I heard that his mom called him Matthew, and I just thought it sounded great. And so I called you Matthew. I know you know this. I called you Matthew for your entire career and um I, I just felt like that was I felt like it was a little piece of the family, and I got to meet your mom and dad one day after mm-hmm. a game, and I knew I think Don and I actually played against each other a time or two sure but yeah, uh yeah. and they were they said that you know they liked that they they thought that was really nice that that we called you Matthew so. Anyway, for those of you out there who are listening who remember back in the good old days, that's why we called him, that's why we called Matt Matthew. Well, uh,
0: Steve, I'll, and I'll tell you, like, uh, I say Matt, I sign Matt, like, you know, I introduce myself as Matt, but like, there's never been a time in my life ever where anyone in my family, my mom, my dad, my brothers, my wife, my kids, my, you know, cousins, anybody has ever called me Matt ever, never, never. Really? Um it's always Matthew, always. Um, but yeah, but uh it's both, I guess. I don't really care either way. But uh I will say this, I know my mom appreciates it. And when someone doesn't call me Matthew and they call me Matt, she will correct them. So uh oh, she, she's good. a big Steve Rabel fan for that reason right
2: there. <laughs> well, uh listen, Matthew. Uh, this has been just a, a, a a slice of heaven here. We have enjoyed talking to you. We've been, Z and I, you know, kind of put a list together of all the people we wanted to have on. And you're right there at the top of the list for, for many, many reasons. And, and a lot of it doesn't have to do with football. A lot of it has to do with just the person that you are and the, the person that you kind of grew into here in Seattle. And we watched you grow up in front of our eyes. And now you're doing all these great things. Um, Really, many thanks to you. I hope what you decide to do in the future continues to help those young people that you helped the last couple of years because you're the kind of guy that can do just that. Matt, thank you very much. Hey to Sarah and the family. Hey to the folks. And uh, we can't wait till you come out here and visit with us again.
0: All right, I'm coming out for a Kraken game, I think New Year's Day. That's oh, kind of my goal, so uh, we'll, we'll see if it happens. Like a busy busy kids, we'll see.
1: See you later, man. All right, buddy.
2: That's <laughs> Thanks, guys. Enjoyed uh, it. Okay, thank you. Okay, man, thank you so much. Matthew Hasselbeck joining us here on Seahawk Stories, along with Jim Zorn and yours truly, Steve Rabel. That was That was a treat. I enjoyed that. Um, Can't wait till we find out who we're going to talk to next week. (laughs) As it's always somebody great from this organization. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Till next time. We'll see you then.